Our scripture reading this evening comes from the book of Joel, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and 12 through 17. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows, he may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. Gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? This is the word of God for the people of God. Things changed so quickly. It was May of 1927, Charles Lindbergh became a, a national hero by flying his airplane across the Atlantic Ocean, something no one had ever, ever done before. The Spirit of St. Louis, as his plane was called, flew from New York to Paris in 33 and a half hours. 33 and a half hours at an altitude of 4,000 feet and 100 miles per hour. Today, today nearly 3,000 aircraft cross the Atlantic every day at altitudes of 50,000 feet, traveling up to 1,500 miles per hour. It takes about seven hours to get from New York to Paris versus 33 and a half. In 1896, Guillermo Marconi invented the first ever wireless transmitter that allowed him to send and receive a transmitted signal for two miles. Today we have satellites and transmitters and we can see and, and hear live events taking place all over the world. And we can talk to people all over the world on these, on these strange things called cell phones and computers. You wonder what Marconi would think, don't you? We live in an age of unparalleled technological advancement. We live in an age in which technological change has made our lives so much easier, so much more fulfilling. But at the same time, we live in an age where things haven't always changed for the better. Things that seem to take us a couple steps backwards rather than a couple steps forward. Do you realize that during our lifetimes, our world has never been fully at peace? 
Somewhere in our world, because of politics or religion or, or ethnic background, our world is always in turmoil and, and chaos. And, and where there is turmoil and chaos and unrest, there is hatred and there is death. If you stop and think about it, even the, the COVID-19 virus and the Omicron virus has caused turmoil and unrest among the people it's affected. Is the virus real or is it fake? Depends on who you ask. Should you wear a mask or should you not wear a mask? Depends on who you ask. Should I get vaccinated or should I not get vaccinated? Depends on who you ask, doesn't it? The politicians fight among themselves. We fight amongst ourselves. Who's right? Who's wrong? Depends on who you ask. But it certainly has divided us as a people. It certainly brought us backwards a few steps. One out of two marriages fail. Suggesting perhaps that it's easier to get rid of your spouse than it is to try to work things out and make your marriage work. Drugs have become prevalent in our society. People sell them. People get addicted. People are looking for a good time by getting high and they end up dying because they're ingesting drugs that have been laced with other drugs that kill them instantly. It's like we're never content. We're never at peace as a people. Not with ourselves, not with our neighbors, and not with what we have in our possession. It's as though we need change. We need something bigger, something, something better, something to fill our needs, something to fill our emotional and our physical desires more than anything else. It was Jesus who said that the basic need for every man is spiritual change. You will perish unless you turn from your evil ways and turn to God, he said. Change your ways. That's the option that he gives each and every one of us. You can change your job. You can change your address. You can change your, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. But until you change your ways... Until you repent and, and follow the ways of the Lord, you will never, ever know spiritual peace, nor will you ever find spiritual fulfillment in your life. Without changing ways, without repentance and returning to the ways of God, we are literally lost. We have no future. We have no hope. And that's why they call it the good news. We don't have to be like we are forever. We have the opportunity to change our ways because our God is full of grace and always willing to give us a second chance. In God's eyes, there are no limitations. There are no qualifications. The, the dirtiest of the dirty can be cleansed. Those who fall can be picked up again. And those who wander away from home, those who leave the kingdom of God can always come back home again. 
All because he loves us. All because of his grace. All because he is willing to give each of us a second chance. To repent is to simply change the direction our lives are going in. It's about a change in our hearts, about a change in our minds, and in the way we live our daily lives. It's about going in a, in a new direction, I guess we could say. It's about turning away from ourselves, turning away from who we are today, turning away from our sins, and turning back to God again. Lent is a good time to take a good look at ourselves. A time when we jokingly or lightheartedly give up something that isn't good for us or something that we shouldn't have, chocolate or smoking or drinking or whatever you do, I don't know. But more so, you see, the season of Lent is a time when we're invited to dig deep into our, our spiritual lives and determine whether or not we are on the right path to becoming and remaining disciples of Jesus Christ. We're encouraged to look at our whole lives, both inside and out. And then we take our life and we lay it down beside the life of Jesus and we compare the two. And that in itself is scary and difficult to do because it takes a lot of intestinal fortitude to compare ourselves to Jesus. A lot of guts, as they say. Yet we have the opportunity to, to take a good look at ourselves and to ask questions about the state of our souls because we have Jesus on our side who's going to love us no matter what we find out about ourselves. He's going to cheer us on and we can be honest about our failings with him. Because you see, he's, he's filled with unconditional love and grace and will continue to support us no, much, no matter how much we have failed him and no matter how much we have failed in emulating the way we are to live our lives. And that's what the ashes are about tonight. They're rep meant to represent all that's going on in our lives, not only on the outside, but on the inside as well. They're meant to help you remember what your life looks like when you lay your life down beside the life of Jesus. They're to remind you that while they may wash off your forehead when you go home tonight, that smudge is still going to remain in your heart. And it's going to remain in your soul. And that smudge will not go away until you decide to change your life until you decide to make some changes in your life. So you see, this isn't about giving up pop and candy and giving up whatever it is that you, you lightheartedly give up at Lent. This is some serious business tonight. It's about changing your life. God is giving you the opportunity tonight to, to change your ways, to repent, to come clean and start your life all over again. To live your life to the fullest, 
both today and tomorrow and in the future. And it's imperative, he says, it's imperative that you do it now. Do it now, he says, before it's too late. Amen. Would you join me in the invitation to the observance of Lenten discipline? Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the early Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection. And it became the custom of the church that before the Easter celebration, there should be a 40-day season of spiritual preparation. During this season, converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when persons who had committed serious sins and had separated themselves from the community of faith were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored in participation in the life of the church. In this way, the whole congregation was reminded of the mercy and forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need we all have to renew our faith. And so I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church, to observe a holy Lent. By self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word, to make a right beginning of repentance, and as a mark of our moral nature, let us now bow before the Creator and Redeemer. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. Grant that these ashes may be to us a sign of our mortality and penitence, so that we may remember that only by your gracious gift are we given everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You're welcome to come forward tonight to receive the ashes. When you're done, you're more than welcome once again to to go to the prayer rail and, and pray if you want, or you can just return to your seat.
Come. 